Hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 233. Okay, the first one. Hi ladies, this feels like my hundredth story. Sorry, I'm one of those people that has a huge neon sign pointing at me, so I have a lot of stories. First is short and sweet and true crime-ish. My niece graduated from college, and to celebrate, me and my mother took her to her favorite place, the beach. She's a skinny blonde and loves the beach. I cannot for the life of me figure out how she became a skinny blonde because all the women in my family are large. The smallest is maybe a 2X, and we are all brunettes. Anywho, we stayed at a condo in Alabama on the beach that had a small pool. My son was 8 and was terrified of the ocean, but loves to swim. So I spent all my time at the pool with him. Early one morning, me and my son were the only ones at the pool. He gets in, and I get settled onto one of the reclining chairs. I put on my shades and lay back. I'm enjoying the sun and loving hearing Jonah splash around and laughing. I lay my head back and close my eyes. I slowly open them, looking at the top floor of the sixth floor building, and I see a naked man. I did a double take. Close my eyes, open them again. He's still there, but now he's dancing. He has a massive erection. He's in the process of humping the balcony railing, poking his wiener through the holes. At one time, a woman comes out on the balcony with him, looks at his wiener, looks down at me, looks at him, and walks back inside. This whole time, I have my dark shades on, but he was far enough away he could not have known if I was looking directly at him or not. This fucker just wanted a reaction from me or anyone. Little did he know this was not my first random unwanted wiener show. He was not getting shit from me. He finally gave up and went back inside. I took my cell phone out of my pocket and called mom, who was still in the condo with everyone else. I told her what happened and was laughing pretty hard, but she didn't find it amusing. I told her to calm down. Jonah didn't see it, and neither did any of the other people that had been slowly coming out of the building. She said, I don't care. She said she was calling the condo people who called the sheriff's department. Later, I saw a deputy walk through the lobby and start walking towards the pool. I give him a wave. He's an older gentleman whose cop uniform was khaki shorts and a polo. I noticed he had a Star Wars tattoo on his leg, and I think I'm probably going to like this guy. You ladies know some people were born to be blue and some were not. I usually don't care for cops, but I got a really good vibe from this man. He walks up and says, are you the victim? I said, I wouldn't put it like that, but I'm the one that got the show. My mother is the one who had the condo people call you. I told him what went down and pointed out to the floor in the room. He said, okay, I'm going up. I asked him if he could tell me what he's going to do. He said, well, I'm going to see if they will open the door, and if they will, I'll give them a verbal warning. He comes back and tells me no one would come to the door. He said if it happens again, they'll have the condo people bring keys and go in. I didn't see him again. The next story. I love all things carbs. Noodles, breads, copious amounts of liquor. If it's bad for me, I love it. But I try not to indulge but once a month. One weekend out of the month, I eat whatever the fuck I want, no matter what it is. I drink whatever I want, and let's get real, I smoke the devil's lettuce regularly, but on these weekends, I go hard, like Willie Nelson meets Snoop Dogg hard. These weekends always fall on days where my kids are not home, and sometimes, but not always, my husband too. We live deep in the woods, but only 15 minutes by car from the nearest town. I have neighbors that I can see from my house, but they are half a mile away at best. My backyard's very secluded and turns into very thick woods. I have a nice little porch where I have a table and chairs, and on these weekends, I have all my favorite things on the table. Wine, beer, and or mixed drinks, pot, bags of chips, and various other snacks. My tablet so I can look at TikTok and my phone. I have solar lights around my backyard that will shine bright for a long time on just a couple hours of sunlight. I have a little Chinese pug dog that's very spoiled, so she's a bit of a bitch, and I don't think we would have been friends in high school, but I love her very much. Her name is Sweet Pea. If I'm home, Sweet Pea is right by me. 
Donna and Carrie, you ladies have animals. You know how clingy they are. On my weekends, Sweet Pea is outside with me. She sits on a pillow under my chair, occasionally walking around the fence section of the yard to do her business and make sure only her scent's in the yard or if she needs to pee again on that bush. One time I noticed she was peeing a lot along the fence line. I also noticed that a couple of my solar lights were laying down. Me busy getting my hound just stays where I am and call her. Sweet Pea, Sweet Pea, I hear her growling at something. My smoky brain eventually tells me, hey bitch, something is off, pay attention. I get up and start walking to her. She sees me walking and she bolts towards me, barking at me. Confused because she has never shown me any aggression before, I stop in my tracks and then think there's a snake or something that she's trying to warn me about. She's snarling and barking at me and I'm very concerned, but I turn around and go back to my chair and say, fine bitch, if it's a snake, you handle it because I'm too fucked up. She stands and stares at me, but eventually walks back to me and gets on her bed. The next day, before I go hard again, it's not quite dark yet. I'm gathering all my favorite things and remember the lights. I walk out to the fence to pick them up and realize as I get closer, they're no longer on the ground and two more are thrown in the grass. I say, huh. I can't honestly remember if they were pulled out with the other two, but I do remember that the lights were just laying on the grass. I go through the back gate and search if maybe they were carried off by wild animals and get to the wood line and see a very faint light in the shadows of the very thick woods and say nope and turn around and start walking back to my chair. I make it back to the gate and notice that Sweet Pea is not with me. I look around not wanting to lock her out of the backyard when I see her standing on the porch staring at me. Then I hear a loud rustle in the woods behind me. I turn around thinking I want to see a big deer or maybe a bear. A few bears have been spotted in my part of the woods but there's nothing. I wait a beat then go back to my chair. Sweet Pea is still staring at the woods when I call her. She just looks around me and turns back to the woods. Call her again and this time she sees me holding her brush. So she comes and I brush her and spool her a bit and feel much better about the situation. So I proceed on. I'm on my third or fourth bowl. It's full dark now. I see what my smoky brain at first thinks are stars. You guys know that in Mississippi on a clear night, the skies are beautifully lit with about a billion stars. So of course, that's what I thought it was. Then I realized these lights were too low to be stars. Then I see them moving slowly along the wood line, which is about a football field away from the porch. What the fuck? I stand up and sit back down. Thankfully, Sweet Pea has gotten a contact high and is fast asleep. So I sit and watch the lights go slowly back and forth. Then it stops and another one of my lights pops up next to it. So now there are three that are just floating there. Then I get this creepy feeling like who or whatever is holding those lights is staring at me. Yes, I'm high, a little drunk, very full of garbage snacks, but I can't stop that feeling. I finally grab my stash, my glass, and scoop up Sweet Pea and go inside and make sure the doors are locked. I put Sweet Pea in her bed and I put away all my favorite things. I look out my kitchen window that looks into my backyard. I still see the lights, but now there are four. I tell myself that I'm being paranoid and call my husband. He's three states away, but his voice has a calming effect on me for some reason when I'm partaking. I talk to him a while and tell him what happened, and he tells me it's probably the strain I smoked and tells me that I need to make sure and put in my phone so I don't smoke it again. We eventually hang up, and I decided that I'm going to lock me and Sweet Pea in the bedroom and just binge watch something on the fire stick. I'm halfway through a season of Just Shoot Me when I hear a tapping sound. I mute the TV. I hear Sweet Pea snoring, me breathing, then something that sounds like a high-pitched growling. Uh, I turn on the lights in my room and dial 911 and keep my finger over the send button. I slowly walk towards the far window in my room. I yell loudly, I'm calling the cops and you're being recorded because we have motion sensing with night vision cameras in the trees. Not true, but true now because of this incident. More light tapping and I'm now at the window and realize it's not growling, it's kind of a giggle. Oh God, that is worse. 
Then I think, what am I going to do now that I'm at the window? I don't know who is giggling. I turn off the lights and get back in bed, knowing and reassuring myself that there are weapons in the room. The next thing I know, it's morning. I go into the kitchen and look out of the window to make sure it's okay for Sweet Pea to go outside and do her business. All of the lights that have been pulled up are back in their homes. I walk outside with Sweet Pea and to the lights. Then I look out to the woods and I say out loud, thanks for returning the lights, but please do not come back to my house ever again. I don't know why, but it made me feel better. I walk back to the house and my husband has made it home. I tell him what happened to me while I was watching TV. He goes outside and sees claw marks on the wood and even scratches in the glass. He tells me he's going to look around the house and in the woods. I ask him to not go alone, so he calls a friend. He gets to the house and they're gone for about an hour. When they come back, I ask if they saw anything. He said, yes, I think we need to call the cops and have them look. I said, what? He said they found a campsite with some makeshift tents and a small charred fire pit. He said either a party was going down or some random people are sleeping in the woods. I told him then we don't need to call the cops because they might be homeless. He reasoned with me that if they were the ones scratching at the window scaring people, then yes, the cops need to be called. I told him okay and he called them after I hid all my paraphernalia. They did a search and found two men and a woman hiding in the woods behind my house. One of the cops asked if we wanted to press trespassing charges since they were on our land. The people were gathered around him and I said, not if one of you will tell me if they were the one messing with the lights and scratching tapping wall window. The spokesperson said the cops asked us about the window to which I told him no. We were gone all weekend panhandling. I asked him about the light when he comes back with, why would I take one of your lights? We don't have electricity out here. When I realized he doesn't know, I'm talking about solar lights. So I say it was probably just animals and no harm, no foul. When my husband tells them, as long as they are being mindful about the fire and do not leave trash, they're welcome to camp in the woods. One of the people said, thank you, it's safer than being on the streets, and they disappear back into the woods. I'm not sure if they're still back there, but I've been leaving food, and the last time it stayed out so long, animals got it, so I'm assuming they've moved on. We never found out what happened to the lights or who or what was scratching on the window. I do know that the next weekend, my husband had the cameras up in the trees, so something good came out of the story. I just hope if it really wasn't those people, that whatever it was doesn't hurt anyone. My husband says it was probably Bigfoot, and I tell him, no, me and Sweet Pea are very cool with Bigfoot. He would have never scared the shit out of us like that and wrecked my party hard weekend. He would have taken a seat and joined me. Also, I don't think he would have had a light high giggle. I think it would be more of a belly laugh. Sorry this was so long and for my grammatical errors. Keep up the wonderful podcast, Creep It Real, Amber from Mississippi. That would have scared the shit out of me. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, one, I would have thought black-eyed kids. Oh, I didn't think about that. But let's go back to the first story. It's so hard because, yeah, on stuff like that, I would just laugh it off and be done with it. But... Not everyone is like that. And it's not okay for someone to expose themselves. No. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like, just because it doesn't bother me doesn't mean that it's right. You know? And like you said, you had your son. Other people were around and stuff. He doesn't have the right to expose himself. No, absolutely. I'm like you. Like, it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. But like, no, that would have made me very uncomfortable. There's kids around and all that. Like, that's not okay. Yeah, Also, when the cop was like, if they answer the door, you mean you could just not answer the door when a cop knocks? Right. I would have been like, oh, excuse me, sir. Uh, Everything okay? You know, like, I would have been like, what's going on? Do you need to come in? Do you need a glass of water? Do you need, you know what I mean? I'm like, (laughs) the cops are here. They need something. What's going on? You know? Yep. But then I guess I don't streak, so. Yeah. You know? Well, I'm glad y'all got cameras up at your house and everything. If you don't have cameras at your house, get them. 
they don't have to be expensive. Like we got ours on Amazon and they're not that expensive and we've got them everywhere. Get cameras. Okay, the next one. Hi ladies, I found your podcast a few weeks ago and have been listening to it during my summer break. Talk about a perfect way to relax. I have a story from about 10 years ago that made me even more of a believer than I already was. At the time, I was a teen camp counselor for the summer months. The camp got to do a lot of fun activities, horseback riding, water skiing, amusement parks, etc. But the week I was most excited about was the ghost tour week. Hell yes. We visited many haunted places in our hometown and heard lots of ghost stories. Nothing crazy happened until we visited an old lodge in our town. We had been told that there were different spirits that resided in that lodge. We were equipped with an EVP, recorder, and dousing rods. I honestly didn't think we would catch anything on the recorder, but I let it run anyways. We got to the kitchen and the teenagers in my group were starting to get rowdy. They were talking loudly and laughing and just not really taking it seriously. Of course, I was thinking, get it together, guys. This is my dream. But I restrained myself. I did say, guys, you need to stop yelling and calm down or something like that. And then we started asking questions to see if we could catch anything on the recorder. After the tour was over, I was sitting with one of the campers who was reviewing the EVP recordings. She got to the part where I was getting on to the kids about being too loud, and simultaneously, as I'm talking, there's a guttural voice saying, get out, and it was terrifying. The camper that found it on the recording actually got to go to a local radio station and share the EVP recording. We found out that the ghost that haunted the kitchen was named Charlie and that he hated kids. So, sorry, Charlie. Thanks for all the laughs and creepy shit you talk about. Stay creepy. Aubrey from Kansas. Damn, kids. Donna, I swear to God, I was just about to say, damn, kids, they ruined everything. (laughs) Like, those words were literally about to come out of my mouth. (laughs) I love how you were like, this is my thing. Don't ruin it to these kids. Yeah. Okay, the next one. Hey ladies, so I wanted to share a story about how my friend and I almost got kidnapped. You can share my name. Picture it. It's Saturday afternoon. You and your best friend are hanging out and talking to boys on MSN Messenger. (laughs) Did you have that? Yep. I sure did too. It's perfectly clear, sunny day. The weather's warm and there's a slight breeze. Perfect weather for walking. My friend and I decide to go walk to the gas station that's about a mile down the road for drinks and snacks. We both grabbed vault soda because it was our favorite, if you know, you know. And I probably grabbed some sour gummy worms, and she probably grabbed some cookies and cream Hershey bars. Sidebar, why is it that I can remember my former best friend's favorite candy and soda, but I can't remember what I did last weekend? Okay, so anyway, we are walking out of the store. I spot an old blue town car parked at the gas pump with two men sitting up front. And they're just staring at us. I look away, but I can still feel eyes on us. As we make it to the grass on the side of the road, headed home, I hear the car crank up and slowly pull to the edge of the parking lot, and I instinctively turn to look. They're still staring at us, and one guy waves. Side note, my friend, bless her heart, is chattering away and hasn't noticed them yet. I keep quiet and act like I'm listening, but I'm keeping alert just in case. We only have to pass one other business, and we can turn into a side street that's a shortcut home. The car turns out of the gas station and slowly passes us on the main road while still staring at us. What happens next is so scary. 
The car pulls into a business a little past our road, still in sight and sits facing us. Once we turn on the side street, it doesn't take long for them to turn on our road. I tell my friend that I think someone's following us. We both look behind us and they're just creeping along at a distance. She looked at me with her eyes wide in fear. Mine probably matched hers, but as they approach, I try to make a poker face. They slow down where they're matching our pace, which we went from a leisurely stroll to a brisk walk real quick. I know the street well since I've lived there for years. The first house belonged to a police officer and was just a short distance away, and I also saw that he was home when we passed by the first time. I prayed that he would still be there. The guy on the passenger side asks, do you ladies need a ride? We try to ignore him at first because you're taught not to talk to strangers as a child, so maybe the same rule can apply here. But they stay next to us and he repeats the question with an attitude and asks he's just trying to help two beautiful ladies out. Also, we were only 14 at the time and we looked and dressed like a 14-year-old would and honestly, my friend was actually small and young looking for her age, so she could have passed for younger. So I tell him no and my friend remains silent. They keep falling beside us. I can't see the driver's face very much, but I could see the guy doing all the talking perfectly. I could probably still pick him out of a lineup. Are you sure? We're going to Greenville to a party if you two want to join us. My friend whispers to me not to talk to them, but I don't know why, but not responding seemed like a bad idea since him and his friends didn't seem to plan on leaving us alone regardless. No thanks, I responded, hoping they'd leave. What's your name, sweetheart? The passenger pricks at me. Rebecca, I lie. And your friend? She doesn't respond, so I make up a fake name for her as well. We're almost to the driveway and I can see the patrol car. Are you sure you two don't want to ride or to come with us to the party? He asks again. I stop in the driveway and say, no, we're actually home and dad would kill me if I went to a party. I point to the house. Him and his friend look up at the house. I start up the driveway and they stay stopped in the road talking to each other for a minute. I tell my friend to stay calm, but if they get out, we run screaming. We get halfway up the driveway and thankfully they finally leave. Neither of us had our cell phones to call the police and we were so scared to make the rest of the walk home that we ended up knocking on the policeman's door. His wife answered the door, so we asked if we could use their phone to call the police and explain what happened. Her husband was actually getting ready to leave for work, so he called it in with a description of the car and the man on the passenger side. He then took us back to my house. Okay, so the scariest part is that it wasn't but a few weeks later that I saw a mugshot of him in our local paper. Him and another guy got arrested for kidnapping and sexually assaulting a juvenile in the next town over. I don't think it ever stated her age. Honestly, I'm not sure if what I did would always be the smartest option in a situation like that, but I do know we were very lucky that day, and I didn't walk to the gas station anymore. Thanks for reading my story, ladies. Creep it real and stay aware of your surroundings. Jesse, or you can call me J-Bob. Your friend is Donna. No, see, I was thinking her friend's Tiffany. Yeah, but sometimes that's you, though. Like, I'll be like, what's going on? And you'll be like, and then, apparently you sound like a minion. I mean, yeah. Yeah, like, I'll be talking and not understand that you're, like, hyper vigilant of something. Yes, that's what I mean. I meant that Tiffany would be like, don't talk to him. Like, let's not talk to him. 1,000% that would be Tiffany. But you would just be be bopping along, and I'm like got my key in my finger ready to fight (laughs) you're like oh wait what are we doing now (laughs) right this story really resonated with me though because me and tiffany walked to the gas station all the time and i'm pretty sure i got a lot of those uh cookies and cream bars because i loved them look my sister and i would always walk to the gas station too but we had to cross like a major highway to get to ours and my mom every time we talk about it now she's like like she cannot believe she's like i cannot believe y'all did that and i'm like <laughs> girl we did i ran away one time with a box of pop tarts you don't know anything mom 
but I'm telling you, we would go to that, we'd ride our bikes across that gas station, and I would get gl- a glass bottle of Dr. Pepper and just pray that the top said a free Dr. Pepper. Uh-huh. And then I would stand there at the candy aisle and go, okay, I can only get one. Which one has the most candy? <laughs> Literally, still to this day, do that at the gas station, but for sure when I was a kid. That's so funny. And that's probably something I'll talk about in therapy next week. Because <laughs> that did come up that I was like, I remember being a kid and laying in bed and being like, and when I'm an adult, I'm going to get two sausage biscuits for breakfast and nobody can stop me. <laughs> Hashtag food issues. <laughs> it's really scary looking back on your childhood of what you did. Oh my God. And then you're like, holy fuck. Especially even in chat rooms and stuff. Because girl, we were talking in those messages too. On MSN and AOL and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then like adults would talk to me. And I, my ASL would be, I'm a 14 year old girl. And they would be like a 40 year old. Uh huh. Ugh, creepy. But as a 14 year old, I'm like, oh my gosh, this mature guy likes me. Exactly. Okay, the next one. Hi, my name's Macy, and you can use my name if you like. I have had the gift of seeing spirit since I was 16, and in general, I'm sensitive to all things spiritual. I have loads of stories that are just everyday life, but wanted to share a crazy dream I had a few weeks ago. I was in this space, and it was just like vast nothingness, and I heard this voice say, portal. It was an ominous voice. I had walked through a portal onto an astral plane, which is what my subconscious voice told me. And before me, after I walked in, was a reflection, kind of like the reflection of water. And I walked through the reflection and it split my soul from my body. I guess it was like a part of me split off behind the reflection. And then the other part of me split into the reflection. And I walked into a different dimension. It was my life, but a reflection of it. It was like an alternate version of my life. Everyone was so robotic in it. And I decided I didn't like that life and I wanted to go back. So I had to walk backwards through the portal to be reattached to my other self. Well, my friend who is much more knowledgeable than me with this stuff was talking with me about the dream. And this is her interpretation. This is the lower timeline. That version of Earth is called the Eighth Sphere. It was one of the two major futures. One future timeline is organic and turns into a utopia. Golden Age, peace on Earth, healing for everyone. Age of Aquarius, science in harmony with God and life, used for good. Good leadership, good medicine, protection of children and the future. This timeline holds the belief that humanity can heal itself. We are capable of fixing all of our mistakes, and we do. The people in this timeline turn into the paladins, the Venetians, the human angels. The other future timeline is a dystopia. The leadership follows the belief that people cannot be trusted. They are bad and must be controlled. They believe that we must use science to distort all living things in order to evolve. Matrix, fake plants, fake food, fake people, robots, cyborgs, Black goo in the blood filled with nanite. Death of the organic and natural. Death of the feminine. Death of the Gaia. Have to go to Mars to survive. Death by burning in the sun rays. All minds downloaded into this robotic Borg. Controlled by AI that's pretending to be God. Eventually, that timeline leads to death of all the people in it. The people in this timeline turn into greys, reptilian, and mantis. We are on a precipice right now. 
This is rapture, the splitting of humanity, two roads ahead of us. Each person gets to choose which version of earth they will begin to incarnate into. To simplify the choice, will you choose the organic or the synthetic? Which path do you believe will evolve you? Either way, we will change. I have dreams like this all the time and my friend will interpret them. I can share more of these if you like. Creep it real. I choose option C, none of the above. <laughs> I didn't understand half of the things you said. I'm going to be honest, think. you and your friend are smarter than me because I did not understand. <laughs> All I could think of was, what's that show with that girl that's a Scientologist? So you wouldn't think she would be in the show, but she is? Handmaid's Tale. Yes. That's all I could think of with, like, the dystopian, everything's, like, synthetic and whatever. You don't have a choice. Yes. That's all I could think about when you were talking about that. Which, that is the, that is such a great show, but it's so bizarre to me how Elizabeth Moss can play that character and she is a Scientologist. I know. I'm like, bitch, that's what you signed up for in real life. Yeah. Which is probably why she plays it well. Touche. But yeah, I don't choose the synthetic. I don't want to be a robot. Though I do love AI, though. Like, in business and stuff like that, it helps with workflows a lot. The only thing I know about AI is that it makes, like, realistic-looking pictures. But if you don't use the right prompts, they can be weird. See, I don't even know prompts. Like, I don't even know what you're saying. Lord. I am, I'm officially not good with technology. (laughs) Like, give me, like like, a keyboard. Give me, you know, just, like, some Word, a little bit of the internet. I can do. But stuff's getting more complicated than my brain. It is complicated. Okay, the next one. Hey, it's Alexa again. So not all of these stories are mine. They're my mom's. Growing up, my mom had some crazy things happening to her. One day, my mom walked into work and everyone asked her if she could go grab them coffee. She said, sure, since she's nice like that, and took one of her coworkers with her. They went and got coffee and started driving back. At a light, my mom had a weird feeling, but shook it off and waved a car in so they could get in front of her. The pink car, she noted, was very small and cute. Keep that in mind. Once the light turned green, my mom started feeling sick, but continued forward. In seconds, her car was upside down. Turns out, someone ran the red light and hit the car in front of her, her, and the car behind her. When the police were consoling the driver that ran the red light, he said, I'm not sorry, I wish I killed them all. My mom was pregnant with me at the time, and the guy in the pink car in front of her passed away. The sad thing is, he was on his way to his wedding. Next, in college, my mom was big into partying. They got invited to this sketchy party, and they decided to go. While at the party, the guy throwing the party was very adamant that everyone stay in the basement. Turned out, he had killed his parents, and they were still upstairs in their bedroom. The bodies hadn't started decaying, so no one could smell anything. Lastly, my favorite thing growing up was the ice cream truck. Our ice cream truck always came at odd hours of the night and mostly adults would go up to it. Growing up, I didn't think this was odd at all because everyone likes ice cream. Turns out the guy running the truck was selling meth and coke out of the truck as well as ice cream. Now, I don't trust any ice cream trucks. Creep it real and get scared if it's scary, Alexa. Friendly new adult medium. That's so weird because when Colby and I were putting out our outside decorations, the damn ice cream person came by. And I was like, you want ice cream? He goes, no. (laughs) Damn it. We did get some later that night. (laughs) Just not from a van. Yeah. God, I used to love the ice cream truck. I always got the baseball mitt with the gumball in the middle as the ball. Yeah. Again, I would look and go, okay, which one has the most? (laughs) And that was the most. Again, I would get multiple. (laughs) 
But my brother would always get the strawberry shortcake with all the sprinkle things on it. Ugh. And I like that, but it, it like, wasn't my, enough. <laughs> well, no, but it left my throat, like, coated or something. Yeah, so, no, like, I know what you're saying. I wanted to have the, um, the snowball that was just, like, frozen ice. Yeah. You know, after, yeah. Um, okay, so many things to unpack in this story. The guy had killed his parents. Who is it? Tell us. We have to do this story, first of all. I know. Well, it sounds like a story I had heard about, too. I'm just like, these people are so brazen to have killed someone and then be like, yeah, come over. Also, that is so sad that the guy driving the car was on his way to his fucking wedding. Yeah, that's... That, like, crushes my soul. It's just so bizarre how just these quick, like, two-second decisions can have such an impact in literally the rest of your life. And also, why did that guy want to kill him? Did he go to jail? Because that sounds like vehicular manslaughter. Yeah. If he was intended to hurt them. Like, so we need a follow-up email of, did that guy go to jail? Why did he want to kill them? And then who killed their parents that your mom was partying in the basement with? Okay, last one. Hey, you amazing ladies. I have been trying to think of a good story to send to you. I decided on a true crime story that I have a connection to. It's kind of long, but here goes. Picture this. It's early 2004 in Iowa. Cold as fuck. Early in the morning, a sheriff's deputy spots a suspicious white Ford Thunderbird in the parking lot of a bank. The deputy runs a license plate, and he finds out that the plates actually belong to a blue Grand Am. They try to pull the Thunderbird over, and the driver takes off, leading the deputies on a high-speed car chase. The driver, we'll call him L, because he doesn't deserve more, crashes into a car and, sorry Donna, but it is Iowa after all, in a rural area. When the deputies get to the car, they see the driver on the ground repeatedly stabbing himself (gasps) in the stomach. They are able to stop him, and he's transported to the local hospital for treatment. Deputies then discover the car he's driving doesn't belong to him. It actually belongs to his girlfriend, Patricia Even, called Patty. Police notice that Patty's purse and wallet were in the trunk, but she's nowhere to be seen. Elle told the police that she was gambling at a casino with friends and he was taking her purse to her. Police then try to contact Patty. She's not at her house. Elle tells police that Patty's been staying at a local motel. They check, but she's not there either. In fact, police realize that no one has seen Patty in over a week, since December 27th to be exact. Patty's family is adamant that she would not just disappear. They acknowledge that Patty did have some substance abuse and addiction issues, but she also had four kids that she loved with all of her heart. Two older boys and two younger girls. The girls were only 13 and 3. In fact, she had been scheduled to pick up her daughters from their fathers after the holiday, but never showed. Elle had told various friends that Patty was gambling with friends, had wrecked her car, and various other stories. He had also been selling random items from their house and using the money to purchase meth. Patty's large extended family began searching for her. Police received leads saying that she might have been seen with some random friends. For over a week, people were looking for Patty. Police had been questioning Elle about Patty, but still thought she was just missing. That is, until he commented, they can tell the time of death, right? And tell I wasn't there? On January 12th, the police executed a search warrant at Patty's house. They found a blood stain on the living room carpet. They also found Patty's body. They found her body in a locked freezer in the basement. She had been strangled to death with an electrical cord. Elle was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. 
Forensic testing found Elle's blood on the electrical cord and on Patty's sweater. The key to the lock on the freezer was found in the car Elle had been driving. They figured he put her in the freezer to mess up the calculations of the time of death. There was also a wealth of other circumstantial evidence. Here's my connection to the case. I was one of the members of the jury during Elle's trial. It was one of the most stressful things I have ever done. Hearing about Patty's hard life and horrible death was heartbreaking. Elle sat there the entire trial basically without any emotion. The worst was when her 13-year-old daughter testified. She had to testify about her mom and Elle's relationship and a history of domestic violence. I had asked to be warned before her testimony was set to begin so I could mentally prepare myself because my mom was a victim of domestic violence at the hands of my piece-of-shit stepfather. I was annoyed that I actually got no warning, but that was nothing in comparison to what that poor child had been through. She was such a brave kid. Just a note about being a member of the jury. While it was kind of cool to be a member of the jury, it was really, really hard. To top it off, the trial was just six months after my amazing mother had died, so I was emotionally still dealing with all the grief from that. We had to hear about the domestic violence, substance abuse, and other terrible things as well as the intimate details surrounding the death of a human being at the hands of another. We deliberated for over an hour and found L guilty of first-degree murder. In Iowa, that comes with a mandatory life sentence without parole. As we left the courthouse, Family members were trying to thank us, but I couldn't really respond and just walked as quickly as I could to my car. It's not that I didn't think we made the right decision. The whole thing was just so stressful and I just wanted it to be over. I ugly cried the whole way back to my house. L later tried to have his conviction overturned saying he was insane at the time of the murder due to all of his drug use. The Court of Appeals denied his request. He remains in prison where he belongs. It was an honor to serve on the jury. I still think about Patty and her kids and her family. I hope they found some peace at least knowing her killer is being held responsible. Thanks again for your awesome podcast, R. I'm actually surprised they let you on the jury because you had been through that with your mom and she just passed. Like, I'm, not, I'm surprised that his attorney didn't veto you. Right. Well, they probably didn't ask those questions. True. Because, I mean, you're not going to be like, oh, actually. Right, you're right. But I'm surprised they didn't say, like, do you have any domestic, you know, like, raise your hand if you have personal experience with domestic violence or something. Right. But I bet that that was so incredibly difficult being on that jury. It's one thing listening to True Crime podcasts and all of that, but I can't imagine being on the jury and looking in the eye of the person who did it. Yeah. I mean, if they're guilty, you know what I mean? I don't know. But, I mean, I've dealt with inmates in- before that – are murderers like as as patients like so that's different to me but you're not deciding their fate true and you're not having to hear all the details right right I'm just like here let me fix your hand yeah so it's still a weird situation you know but you put your work first and you know you took that oath and so you're doing it but yeah being on a jury I can't imagine Because the little of experience I have seeing someone sit in that chair and just looking at him and him knowing that what we decide could change his future. You know, it's those two paths. And luckily, like enough people were vetoed and they didn't have enough for us to do it. And I didn't have to make that decision. But I can't imagine it being a murder trial. That was just a drug trial, you know, like that wasn't something that I would have to hear those horrible details. Yeah. Even like us 
doing a true crime podcast, sometimes we don't know all those details because they leave that in court, you know? Right. So it's like, but you're hearing all of that, like the behind the scenes stuff, you know, the stuff that they're like, let's edit that one out. Right. Well, these stories were so great this week. I loved all the true crime stuff. Yeah. Y'all keep these stories coming. Thank y'all so much for sending them in. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.